You're not going to get to see those moves often, um, unless you're at a white wedding, basically. Uh, that's a white dad dance, by the way. You didn't know that. Hey, my name is Chris Emmons. Good morning. We're glad you're here with us. Darren talked me into that, and he's not even here. Um, got me get my heart racing a little bit. Ooh. This is an exciting morning for us here at White Oak. You may not know this, particularly here at our Ross campus. It's not because it's the holiday weekend. Actually, that's a nice addition to our celebration. Actually, today, if you weren't already aware, is our one-year anniversary from this Ross building opening. Yeah, let's give it up for that, right? I know many of you were here last year when the doors opened um, and the excitement and anticipation for what God had been planning for over 12 years. All the prayers and work that went into making God's dream for this community a reality. So we are here to celebrate. Those of you who are watching online this morning, again, I want to say welcome to you. Maybe you're watching later in the week. You're celebrating with us as well. Maybe this is your first Sunday with us. If you're checking us out for the first time, first I want to say welcome. But you've picked a great week to be here. Not just because we're, we're celebrating, right? You may realize that that was exciting, but do you know you're going to get cake? Yeah. You're like, hey, I came to church for the first time, and they gave me cake. That's not going to happen every week, by the way, okay? Um, but if that's what will keep you coming, I'll try to get cake here every week. Because as I've said many times from stage, y'all, I love cake, all right? I'm good to get If you're at home watching and you can't have the cake, I'm sorry. I don't know how to help you with that. Maybe go buy some cake at the store. They sell it at Kroger, Meyer. You can pick it up. Nothing says celebration like dessert to me, so that's why I'm saying I'm glad we're here. Maybe it's your first time here, though, and you're asking, what's the big deal about being open in this building for one year? And that's a fair question. I'm not going to lie. You know, we aren't just celebrating this building being open. That's an exciting thing to celebrate, but, but what we're actually celebrating is what God has been doing through this building through the last 12 months, through all of these people, through all of you, what God is doing in this community. Let me share with you a few highlights because I think this really caps off what we're talking about. Over the last 12 months, we just showed you a video about baptism, right? At this campus, 43 people, young, old, in between, have committed their life to Jesus. They've taken the act of obedience to be baptized. That's 43. Yeah, that's, that should be something we clap about. Yeah. That is 43 people who have stepped into full life in Jesus. And by full life, when we use that phrase, we mean people are discovering who they are in Jesus, who they were made to be, sons and daughters of a good father in heaven. One who, one, they're being, finding out that they are someone who is known by God and known in him. Also, on average, each week out there in our kids section, we see about 115 kids Every week, on average, coming to those doors, ages birth to 12 years old, that participate in our kids' ministry on Sunday mornings. Not to mention we had about just around 250 kids at our camp this summer in June who got to celebrate and learn about Jesus. These are kids who are learning who Jesus is. They are being loved by leaders. They are being cared for. They are being supported each week. On average, right, each week, we see about 35 middle school and high school students come into these doors 
And they're being poured into and welcomed and accepted by our student ministry team. In this room, right here where you guys are sitting, right, we see about 375 people each week who are coming in who are being equipped to love other people. They're being deployed to go out onto, into their communities to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Listen, these are the things we celebrate. These are the things that God is doing in our community through this church. Listen, this is something to celebrate. In the Bible, Paul, who was a follower of Jesus, he was writing a letter to his friends in the church of Philippi. And you can turn with me if you want there, if you want to Philippians, and you can, you can read this with me. If you've got your Bible or a Bible app, or will be in Philippians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, I mention this every week, you can pick one up at our hub. We've got them. We would love to give that to you. We're going to be moving around a little bit today, but if you've got your Bible and you're in Philippians chapter 4, I just want to read to you what Paul wrote to them towards the end of his letter. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What's Paul saying here? He's, he's reminding them, right, towards the end of his letter, listen, these wonderful things that God has done, these good and honorable things, these admirable things, these good things, remember them. Celebrate them. That's why I'm up here today celebrating this building being open, celebrating what God has done. Now, you may not know this. We not, this, this isn't the anniversary of Ross existing. In 2009, hear me, because in 2009, God laid it upon the leadership of White Oak to expand our church into the Ross community, to go, right, into the Ross community, and we listened. We moved. For 12 years, we met in Ross High School. And for 12 years, we waited and we prayed and we trusted that God would give us a physical space of our own to do his work. We didn't stand still and say, hey, God, when you give us a building, like we will go. No, no, we went, we moved, we did the work he asks us to do, and then he blessed us. That's why we're here today. So today we celebrate, right? We rejoice. There's a lot to be thankful for. And that thanksgiving leads us to realize that there's more coming. You see, while we're challenged to always celebrate what God has done, that is an important part of what you, what you do. You remember, just like Paul said, remember those things. We cannot forget that we have a God who moves us forward. That's why one of our, our catchphrases you'll hear here is we move, right? Together we move. We're not standing still. I love this space. I love this building. I love being able to pe see people coming in the doors, having events here, celebrating. It's a blessing, yet that is not our mission. 
Today, I want to challenge us with this big idea. We are deployed on mission. We are deployed on mission. We've all been given a mission to do something for God. And that mission doesn't end in the seats in this auditorium, right? It doesn't end at the desks of the kids' ministry over there, right? That mission starts when we all walk out of these doors. That's where the mission field starts for us. The place that we get to represent Jesus. I think we can do, to do that, right, we have to know what, we've got to be clear about what we stand for. See, the reality is, we've often been known, as the church, we've been often known for what we stand against, right? That's oftentimes what the church is known for. There's this long list of stereotypes that go along with Christians out in the world, Oh, Christians are against this, or Christians are against that. Christians are boring, right? Christians don't like to have fun. They don't like, they don't, they don't, they sing a bunch of churchy songs, right? We don't let people be themselves. And I'm just going to tell you the truth. Stereotypes sometimes are stereotypes because they are a little bit true. It might, that might offend you, but it's the truth is, that's the truth that's being told out there. And some of you, maybe some of you who are sitting in here today, have experienced some of this. You've actually felt some of this in your search for faith. And you may be sitting here and you're not sure what you believe about Jesus or the church, and you've felt some of this tension from people who call themselves Christians. I mean, maybe you're a single mom, right? Maybe you're a single mom and you've, you've been mistreated by people who claim to be believers. Maybe you've got addictions in your life and there's believers around you who are quicker to pass judgment on you than they are to try to help you. Maybe you're living a lifestyle that doesn't mesh with what Christians think is acceptable or you're not sure about God or Jesus and you, your Christian friends keep telling you, hey, you really shouldn't question God. Whatever the topic is, right, and there's, there's some of them, a lot of them out there, there are, there's, there are those out there who see Christians as hate-filled, small-minded, judgmental people. The reality is, this isn't new. This isn't just in the last 10 or 20 or 100 years. When Jesus came to this earth, he fought back against those religious leaders who were doing just this. He fought back against those who were saying, these religious leaders who were teaching that, listen, the only way to God was by following rules and doing all the rituals appropriately. Instead, Jesus taught something different. Look at what he says in John chapter 13. In John 13, he says this to his disciples. He's sitting with his disciples. He's just washed their feet, okay? He's just served them. And so look at what he says to them in John chapter 13, verse 34. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Listen, what did Jesus not say? Jesus didn't say, listen, they'll know you're my disciples if you follow all the rules, right? Or if you convert everyone, they're going to know you're my disciples, right? Or if you live more holy than other people, he didn't say, hey, they're going to know you're my disciples if you go out and tell everybody that they're, they're, they're destined for hell and they're sinning and they're messing up 
and they're terrible people. That's how they'll know. No, the crux of what Jesus wanted them to know was that they not, they don't, I don't want you to know, be known for what you're against. I want you to be known for what you're for. So I got to ask the question, what do we want to be known for? What do you want to be known for? That's a great question for any organization. If you work, if you're a business person here today, right, that's a great question for your, for your corporation, for your team to think about. What are we known for? It's a great question to ask your customers, right, to see if they are experiencing what you want them to experience. It's also a great question for a school, but it's a great question for us as an individual. What do I want to be known for? And it's a great question for us as a church. We are deployed on mission. And that mission is about something bigger and better than we could ever imagine. But we need to know, right, if you have a mission, if you're given a mission, you need to know what your mission is for, why you're doing it. To be able to do that mission well, you have to have a purpose, what you're for. I want to share with you three different things that I want to see us stand for. As a church and as a people, this is three things that I want to see us stand for. The first is this. We are for our community. We are for our community. Listen, we are for Ross. We're for Coleraine. We're for Harrison, Cincinnati, Hamilton, Oxford, and all other points throughout this area, right? Butler County, Hamilton County. This is why we think of ways to reach out to our community. We want to be for our schools. We want to be for our businesses, we want to be for adults and students and children. We are for people. And do you know why we are for people? Because God is for people. Look at what Jesus tells his disciples. And in, 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 in the book of Luke, right? And in Luke chapter 10, right at this part, Jesus is sending out 72 guys. He's sending out 72 men to go out and spread the, the word. Go out and start preaching to the nations and telling them about how God loves them and how Jesus has made a new way. And so he's, he's pushing them out and he's saying, go out and do this. Look at what he says to them. He says, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. And then skip down here to, to uh, verse 8. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. Now listen to me. Jesus, notice Jesus doesn't tell them here to go out and preach, like go out and preach against all the things of the world or pass judgment, right? He says, heal the sick. There's a phrase he uses in there, heal the sick. Go out and heal those who need healing. And not just physical healing, but emotional, spiritual healing, mental healing. He was wanting him to go out and heal that's what he was promoting, promote healing to the world. That's what he's calling these 72 men that he sent out into the places around, right, to do. So are we doing that? Are we doing that in our community? Are we promoting healing in our communities? Or are we creating more brokenness? I think sometimes we do go out and we, we create more brokenness by mistreating people. But what God's calling us to do is to love other people. So how do we do that? We do that here at White Oak in a number of ways. 
ways that you can get involved with, with local community groups, right, to make change. Places like Oxford Women's Care Center, a, a pregnancy care center for men and women, for women who have, who have unplanned or unwanted pregnancies. They help them through that process. They, they talk them through. They support them. They provide them resources, education. We do that through 99 for the One in Hamilton, which is a homeless ministry reaching out to the homeless of, of Hamilton. We do that through Ross and Morgan Ministry, or RAM as it's called, which serves our local community here in Ross through a food pantry and through care given to those who need assistance. We do it with Matthew 25, right? We just did a, a drive for, for flood victims in Kentucky through Matthew 25 that reaches not just here, but throughout the United States and world. We do it with Ross local schools. We do it with Young Life, with Boy Scouts, with Girl Scouts. There's a program, Wiz Kids, that we, we support and, and volunteer to that helps tutor young kids at Elda Elementary, pushing their education forward, giving them love and care during that period of their life. And we do it through so many more ways. Listen, we want to be a church that's known about, that we care for our community. So I got to ask you this question, because here's the reality of what we're saying. If our church were to close tomorrow, would even anyone even notice? Now listen, I think the answer is yes, but if the answer is no, if you think the answer is no, then we need to rethink our mission. We need to push. If you're looking, listen, I want to say to you, if you're looking to get involved in some of these things I talked about, these impact places in our communities, then I would encourage you to join our local impact team. We got a local impact team here. It's the people who, who help plan and, and, and work with these organizations. <coughs> Excuse me. And they do this through service activities, through collections of needed goods, right? They do it through community serve days that we do once or twice a year, right, where we're going out and cleaning up and doing things in our communities. And so you can be a part of that. That's something that you can join into. You can sign up to serve through dwocc.com slash serve. So if you go there on the website, you'll find the link to serve and, and you can and choose local impact team. Or the QR code here will come up on the screen. You can take a picture of that. And there's a link on there that says serve. And you can choose to join our local impact team and be a part of that team that helps make a difference by being the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. Because here's the reality. We are deployed on mission. The next thing I want to see White Oak and for each of us individually to be for is that we are for common ground. We're for common ground. Often when we are against so much, right, it makes it very difficult to find common ground with people. Why? Because we have a culture, right, where we take stands. We take a stand on stuff, right? And when you take a stand on something, it's really hard to be able to hear other people's views and other ideas. Because often when you take a stand for something, you're also taking a stand against something. We need to change this approach. It's easy to be known as someone who's entrenched in their views. That's an easy thing to do. Honestly, we have an entire faith that's been labeled as such. However, we need to begin to find common ground with people. In one of the narratives of Jesus' life in Luke, um, you'll find a story 
about a guy named Zacchaeus. Now, if you went to church as a kid, you probably know about Zacchaeus, but not because of probably what the story goes, but because what? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, yeah. How wee was Zacchaeus? I want to know. Like, also, like, poor Zacchaeus is probably up in heaven looking down going, that's what you made a story about? You made a kid's song about me being little? Well, it could be worse. Let me tell you why it could be worse, okay? Zacchaeus was not liked by people. People did not like him. One reason was is because he was a Jewish man who took taxes, collected taxes for the Romans. Right? So that's already made him an outcast. The other Jewish people didn't like him. But he was also dishonest. He took extra money. He made them give extra money so that he could take money off the top for himself. He was, he was a thief, in essence. So there weren't a lot of people who liked this guy on either side of the aisle. But the narrative goes that while Jesus was coming to town, Zacchaeus hears about this. He has heard about Jesus. Jesus is pretty famous at this point. People know who he is. And so he's... He, is, he knows Jesus is coming to town, but he wants to see him. And he gets to this crowd of people who are waiting on Jesus. And because he was a wee little man, right, he couldn't see over them. So he decides to climb up into a sycamore tree, is what they say. I don't know if that's true. Um, but he, it says a sycamore fig tree, but, I, you know, who knows, right? I'm sure it was. The Bible's not wrong. So, um, But he climbs up in this tree to see Jesus. And And so when he's there, Jesus gets into town, and Jesus looks right up at him, which, first of all, is probably like, why is that guy in a tree? But Jesus knows who he is. Jesus says, listen, Zacchaeus, I need you to come down from there because I want to go to your house. I want to eat at your house today. That was a scandal, right? All these Pharisees probably were there. All these religious people were there, and they were thinking, oh, Jesus will want to hang out with me, right? I've been doing everything right. But no, Jesus picks this guy who's not liked, He's a thief, he's a sinner, he's the worst of the worst. And yet Jesus seeks common ground with him, a meal. He picks common ground to bring full life into Zacchaeus. Jesus takes the time, right? We can only imagine because the story is very, the ending just kind of jumps to it. We don't know the full interaction, but he takes time to get to know Zacchaeus, to show him love and compassion And look what happens at the end of this story here in verse 8 of chapter 19. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, Jesus wasn't concerned with his past, or the fact that they came from different experiences. Instead, Jesus was looking to bridge the gap, to bridge the gap that the world wanted to exist there. People wanted that gap to be there. See, we need to be called, just like what Jesus did here, we need to be called to looking for common ground in our world. Yes, we've got a lot of different views. There are those of us, right, who who believe things different from other people. We've got a lot of political differences, social differences, cultural differences. Yeah, those things are real. There are some of us who have been freed from the power of sin, right, through Jesus. And then there's some of us who have not put our faith 
in who Jesus is. We may look and act differently, but we have commonalities. The first one is this. We are all children of God. Every one of us. We have all experienced pain and loss. We have all been on the other side of saving where we weren't quite sure what the future held. We have all messed up. We have all sinned. We all need forgiveness. That's common to all of mankind. I would challenge you to look for common ground in your relationships with your family, with your neighbors, with your friends, your co-workers, fellow students, right? Realize that we are all human beings, children of God, experiencing the same life, and that the one place where we can find common ground is that love and grace of Jesus Christ. Finally, I think we are for saying yes. For saying yes. In John chapter 3, going back to John now, John chapter 3, we get to see another narrative of Jesus meeting with a guy, right? A guy who, who saw things a little different from Jesus. The difference was, is the difference from Zacchaeus is that this guy was a religious leader, right? The guy was named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Like he was one of those religious elite, one of those religious leaders who was going out and teaching people about the only way to heaven is through following all the rules, right? And so Nicodemus sneaks out right at night to go see Jesus. He's heard Jesus talk. He knows what Jesus has done. He's seen him do things. And he's afraid of what the other Pharisees would think of him if he knew they were, he was talking to Jesus. And so he sneaks off and he tells Jesus, listen, I know that you are the son of God because of the things that I've seen you do. He admits to Jesus that like, I, I know that you are the true son of God. And so he asked Jesus, what do I need to do? What do we need to do to be forgiven, to move forward? And Jesus says, you need to be born again. And this confuses Nicodemus at first. And maybe you're sitting here and you've heard Christians use that phrase, born again, and you're like, that's weird. I don't understand what that means. And the truth is, Jesus explains to Nicodemus, it's not a physical birth. We're not saying that you need to be born again physically. It's a spiritual rebirth. It's a... It's a birth of a new spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that comes and lives inside of us. And at the end of this passage, we get probably one of the most famous Bible verses in history that John shares with us. And it's, it's it most, a lot of you who grew up in church know it, but here's what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is what we're saying yes to. Now, I added verse 17 because I think that's a great reminder. God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. He didn't send him to tell the world what he says no to. Instead, he sent his son, Jesus, right, to die on the cross he made the ultimate sacrifice for all of us, enduring pain and torture so that we could have a way to be saved, the only way to be saved. Who else has done that for you? What earthly system has created a way to salvation without any need of payment from you? That is true love and that is true grace.
this is what we celebrate today. Taking the step of faith and choosing to say yes to Jesus. I mean, maybe you're in here today and you've not taken that step. You haven't chosen to say yes to Jesus. You've said no over and over because you don't know what your friends or your family would think. You've been worried that God can't forgive the mistakes that you've made in your life. You've been caught up in this idea that, right, like there are all these rules that exist for, for believers. I don't think I can follow all those. Listen, God is pursuing you. And God wants you to say yes to him. Jesus paved a way, right? Take that step today. Make that decision to give your life over to God. And then take the step to be baptized. Choose to be baptized, right? Maybe that's a step you're waiting to take. Maybe you've said yes to Jesus, but you haven't taken the step to obedience to be baptized. Don't hesitate on that. Come find me today, right after church here, right? Talk to me. We're going to celebrate baptism next week. Just this week, a guy who goes to White Oak, Ray Rizzle, passed away. But before he did, dealing with cancer, we baptized him because that was something God said to him. Ray, I want you to be obedient. And he chose to make that decision. A few weeks, we actually put him on the screen a few weeks ago during our baptism celebration. He's in heaven receiving his glory. And he chose to make that step. Listen, baptism is important. We find it important here. It's an obedient step that we want to make happen. Don't miss that opportunity. It's never too late. Take that step. Come be part of the family that God has adopted you into. Maybe you are baptized and you're here this morning and you've said yes to God, right? There's still a yes that Jesus wants from you too. Say yes to sharing the gospel, the story of Jesus with other people. It doesn't have to be hard, right? Just tell them what God has done for you. It's not a, like, hear me say, you're not knocking on doors and going, can I tell you about Jesus, right? You can do that. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying you don't have to do it that way. Instead, where it, really, where it really shines is in those relationships you already have, the conversations that you're having with people who are in your life, right? And you're sharing, they're sharing with you their pain and their anxiety and so many other things. And then you can say to them, you know what? I've dealt with that. I feel that. Let me tell you about what Jesus has done for me. Invite them too. Invite them to come with you here. Invite them to go to church somewhere. Listen, we are deployed on mission. We need to be a people who are inviting people to join us in our walk, in our faith. This is what we do together. Maybe start by just inviting them. If you're part of a life group, right, start by inviting them to be part of your life group with you. And if you're not in a life group, if you've never been in a life group, listen, our video talked about it earlier, life groups are coming up. They're getting ready to start next week. We want you to be a part of life groups. This is our primary growing and connecting place here at White Oak. And so we want you to be involved. So start, look, look at that on our website, sign up to be a part of a life group, and then start inviting people maybe that you want to be a part of that with you to come. Or invite them, hey, listen, students, if you're in the room, invite some friends to come with you to student ministry on Sunday nights. Sunday nights from 6 to 8 p.m., invite somebody to come along. Andy is a lot of fun. Like, 
He, yeah, he's, he's get raised roof. Yeah. Like student ministry is fun. Come and experience that. But it's also challenging. It helps you learn about who Jesus is. Also, hey, we've got women's ministry stuff here that you can be a part of. Maybe you're a woman and you've got friends. We've got a, a if gathering on October 8th on a Saturday. Great opportunity for you to be inviting your friends to come along with you. Young adults, maybe some of you are in here, right? We've got a young adult ministry that meets on Wednesday nights from 6 to 8 p.m. Invite your young friends to come along with you. About breathing life into the next generation of believers. Or just invite them here on Sunday mornings. We'll make room for them. God wants to see this church full of people who are looking to be loved and accepted in the kingdom as the sons and daughters. Listen, I'm excited for the future. I'm excited. I'm excited to see God move through White Oak, move through this church. And for, and for me personally, I'm excited to see how God is going to move through my life, through the life of my family, for our Ross community, right? And the surrounding communities in the next one, five, ten, even 20 years down the road. Where is God taking us? I don't know. But I know that he's in control. He is over it all. He has a plan and a vision that only he can see. We're called to be ready to move, right? Together we move. Spend time praying, reading God's word. <clears throat> this next series we're about to start next week, it's going to be about disciplines that we can take to grow closer to our Father in heaven. We're calling it seeking. Because we will be seeking after God. It will go for six weeks through September and part of October. And so I want to challenge you here today, those of you watching online, I want to challenge you to be here or to watch online every week of those six weeks. And then spend those six weeks asking God to reveal to you where you need to move. Will you move with me? Will you move with us as we show people in our world what we are for and what God is for. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, you are for us, and you have loved us from the beginning. You created us, you formed us, you put us into this world, and all throughout history, you have pursued us. You have made ways for us to come closer to you, and ultimately, you made the ultimate way to come to you when you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us, to take the blame for what we should have been punished for, you created a future for us. And so today, Lord, we ask that you just continue to remind us to, to remind us what we need to be for, for people, for communities, for common ground, and for saying yes to the promise that you made to us. Thank you for your son, and we pray all of this in his name. Amen.